It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. Today, we recap the entire Cincinnati Bengals 2021 NFL Draft. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll save 15% on your next order. James, I want to talk about a couple of quote-unquote expert reviews of the Cincinnati Bengals draft. We're going to look at some grades from PFF, from ESPN. We're going to look at Arif Hassan's consensus board analysis and retrospective and see where the Bengals got great value, where they reached, how they stacked up against the rest of the NFL as far as using their picks on players seen as value picks by the consensus board. And then we'll talk about, obviously, our own thoughts. We'll talk about what we think the biggest storylines are coming out of the draft. We'll do some some very, very useless post-draft snap grading and talk about each pick a little bit now that the entire draft is in the books. But let's start with Arif Hassan. Arif Hassan puts together for TheAthletic.com a consensus board. He takes big boards, draft boards from tons of people, around the draft Twitter, draft internet, draft media community, and he compiles them. And then we get a consensus board. And according to that consensus board, James, the Bengals in terms of ROI, which I believe is a measure of value against initial draft capital, were pretty average, coming in middle of the pack, about 14th in the NFL in terms of ROI. But there are a couple of other interesting things here where the Bengals actually fared really well. For one, they had the fourth most, sorry, sixth most draft capital in this draft using a Reeves methodology. And they got the fourth most value, according to the big board, in the entire draft. So behind Jacksonville, who had the most draft capital, behind Carolina and New York, who both of those teams had a lot of capital. Carolina had a really good draft, according to his methodology as well. The Bengals got the fourth most value in the draft. I think that is something that Bengals fans can be happy to hear. Especially because they had 10 picks and you could make it an argument both ways, right? Do more selections give you more value or not? Well, it makes it easier to reach at times as well, right? Because if you have 
more picks and you have certain guys you like, you might say, oh, well, we can get this guy with this. And so, yeah, I think it is um, that is something that should make Bengals fans happy and, and the Bengals happy if they feel like they're getting good value. And then guess what? It's reinforced by others thinking so. I, you know, we we uh, we always feel good when the opinion that we have is backed up by others, whether it's data or opinions or whatever it is, right? It makes you feel a little better and, and firmer in your decision. Not that the Bengals are reading Arif Hassan today at The Athletic, but it uh, it kind of reinforces, I guess, their plan and their overall outlook of, of how they attacked the draft. Because, yes, they, they went after the trenches, which is something you and I and every other person that talks about the Bengals for a living would uh, would say that they needed to do. At the same time, they did it with guys that we weren't predicting or weren't looking at as closely. And I think that's worth noting as well. I think that's a great point. It's one we'll talk about, I think, a little bit more when we look at the players they picked. Because I think the names they picked, since we didn't talk about them as much going into the draft, are throwing some people for a loop. Maybe even through me for a loop, through you for a loop, especially in the second round. So We'll get into that when we go pick by pick. A couple other things from this Arif Hassan article I wanted to note. First, we've got the biggest steals in the draft. We've got a big list of of value picks. Joseph Osai shows up for the Bengals. He was 42 on the consensus board. The Bengals get him almost a full round later, 27 picks later at 69. And that's a big steal on the consensus board. And the Bengals show up. As a reach as well, one of the biggest reaches in the draft, Evan McPherson, who maybe just, you know, all the consensus boards didn't really rank kicker, so he didn't show up very much, but he was 316 on the consensus board as I guess most of the boards that were submitted to Arif Hassan also saw kicker as an undrafted free agent position. And so the pick of Evan McPherson at pick 149 did qualify for a big reach, but we've talked a lot about that pick. We will talk about it again. We talked about it yesterday. My philosophical opposition to drafting a kicker is what it is. A lot of people out there think, Hey, they needed a kicker. They drafted a kicker. Great. Now that now we don't need to worry about a kicker anymore on our favorite football team. And I get that. I do get that, but good for the Bengals getting one big value pick in Osai. And you know, if, if the biggest reach is a kicker in the fifth round, I think, you know, you'll live with that. It's not damning. You just got to get it right. It's just like any other prospect. I mean, it, it really is. It's that simple. If, if McPherson ends up being the, the starting kicker for, let's just go his rookie contract. And it'll be longer if he plays well, right? They're, they're not going to not be able to re-sign him. But let's just say it's his rookie contract and he plays at a high level. Well, then it's worth it. It's worth it because the last thing you want is when you're judging Zach Taylor and whether or not he should be the head coach going into 2022 or judging the state of the team with Joe Burrow coming back from an ACL and how this offense is going to work. If all of those things work and they're in these close games and the kicker's missing kicks and they lose to the Ravens and Browns because of it, that's a nightmare. So when you don't have a kicker, it's such an issue. Uh, but when you do... It can be such a weapon, and the Bengals are betting that McPherson is a weapon. So is it a reach? You could look at it from a positional value standpoint and say that. But if he's special, and I'll, I'm going to keep saying Harrison Butker, the next Harrison Butker, then it was a steal. 
and only time's going to tell either way. So I get that. But as far as Asai, I don't think you could argue anybody else on their their draft sheet, including Jamar Chase. And we all know how big I am on Jamar Chase as being such a great value. I mean, again, he was getting late first round, early second round buzz. And when you lose a Carl Lawson and replace him with Trey Hendrickson, completely different styles, completely different players. I want some kind of explosive edge guy. And they might have found that in Osai. So that was a uh, a really nice pick. And I'm sure they're ecstatic that he fell to, to pick 69. I am sure they are too, because they were looking for trench help, obviously, as they picked another edge rusher the next round and, and went back to the trenches throughout day three. Let's take a look at some draft grades from around the internet, James, before we get into our own. And I'm only going to hit on three of them. The first is going to be from the draft network. The Bengals get a B, and it's largely because Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are back together again, and we'll see what happens with Jackson Carmen. That's kind of the the trend around most of the draft grades for the Bengals. PFF also gives them a B. They praise the Jamar Chase pick. They ask about whether Carmen is playing tackle or guard. He's going to play guard, but they do say he raises the talent level of the group regardless of where he lines up, praising his combination of size and athleticism and his upward trajectory last year. And you can go check out Bengal Sands. He's been a guest on this show before. He's got a great video thread up right now on Jackson Carmen, highlighting some of his strengths and areas to improve. PFF also really liked the value in Cam Sample in the fourth round. Last but not least, Mel Kuyper, the godfather of draft media, gives the Bengals a B. And it's a lot of the similar commentary that we've heard from some of the some of the other teams or from some of the other sites that I just talked about. What stands out to me, James, is that nobody's a hard grader anymore. The worst grades anybody seems to get anymore these days is like a C minus. And and C's average, man. C should be the the most teams should be getting a C and there should be a little bit on either side of that. But but maybe that's too old school bell curve of me. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, that's that's probably what should happen. And I haven't looked at it. I mean, I've been so locked in on the Bengals draft. I haven't looked at these other teams drafts, but there, there's got to be a D there, right? There's got to be someone that earned a D and the Bengals certainly didn't because they got the best receiver in the draft. That alone probably keeps them from a D, but there's got to be a team that maybe didn't have a first rounder. Like I, I've seen people say the Rams did bad. And I know they drafted Tutu Atwell, which was kind of crazy that that was their first pick because he weighs less than both of us. But I uh, I do wonder why there aren't some that give Ds. Now, I will say there was one outlet that gave the Bengals an F for their Jamar Chase. I'm not even going to name the outlet. Um And it completely ridiculous. <laughs> okay. So like there's a difference between being a hard grader in being asinine and just doing it to because the Bengals draft strategy didn't align with what you thought. Right. And so there are two different things there, but uh, yeah, I agree that, that there aren't as many strict or, or, or hard, tough graders out there. Maybe teachers need to start doing the draft grades. Some old school yeah. teachers, you retire from teaching, you go into NFL draft grading. What do you think? Like a math teacher. Yeah. Like a math teacher, you know, show your work. <laughs> My math teacher was used to used to handing out D's and F's so, uh, in high school. So I'm sure he would be willing to come out of retirement 
and uh, and hand out a few more if uh, you know if the price is right. He's a math teacher, so he understands the numbers too, obviously. Yeah, and you need that when you're when you're grading graphs, uh, grading drafts. Did I say grading <laughs> graphs? <laughs> grading graphs. Oh man. <laughs> It's been a long oh. couple of days, Jake. We We're made taking it. tomorrow off, by the way, guys. No show coming tomorrow. This will be the last show for the next 24 hours. Then we'll be back on our regular schedule after that. I was just going to go into talking about how dumb draft grades are. I did it again. No, I didn't. Draft grades are because if you disagree with a philosophy like me, a kicker in the fifth round, or like that Cleveland fan who writes for that one website who doesn't like that they picked a wide receiver in the first round, well, you, you end up with grades that people are just going to disagree with. But with that being said, James, let's grade the draft coming up next. Hey, Bengals fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now, and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL draft is behind us, but baseball season is in full swing. We've got the NBA playoffs right around the corner. There's still UFC and MMA action year round. I know the NHL is going towards its playoffs as well. Before the next pitch of that next baseball game, go over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all their great news, their sign-up bonuses, contest information and right now we have a sign up bonus for you use promo code locked on and you'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit they've got real-time updated odds props on anything you can imagine so don't sit on the sidelines anymore so again that's betonline.ag a 50 percent welcome bonus when you use promo code locked on bet online your online sportsbook expert i'm feeling like a math teacher today jake it's time to give our grades. I'm going to be really strict here. I'm going to be really tough. And, and let's start. Can, can I just start with me in the fifth pick, Jamar Chase, and, and, and call it like I see it? Uh, I, I see it as the Bengals just got their future great wide receiver, which is what they've done in the past with Chad Johnson, with A.J. Green. And, yeah, they had to use the fifth over pick, uh, overall pick on him. They had to draft him over Penny Sewell. Well, guess what? If you get your next great receiver, I don't care if you're getting with the fifth pick, the 55th pick, it's an A+. Plus. The Bengals get an A-plus for this first pick here, Jamar Chase. And uh, I don't want to hear anything else about it. No Fs, no Cs, no Bs. It's an A-plus. Don't let anyone tell you any different, Bengals fans. I didn't do any pluses in my grades. Is that is that also no. not allowed? In fact, you didn't. I'm going to make up for it. Jamar Chase, A-plus-plus. Sorry, I should say I didn't do any A-pluses. I do have B-pluses. Uh, so for me, Jamar Chase is an easy A, I think. They got a fantastic player at a position that is very valuable and he will make this team better. He gives the Bengals a positional strength that they've had for more years in the last 20 years. And I think they haven't had wide receiver now back atop 
the NFL pecking order in Cincinnati with the addition of Jamar Chase to go with one of the best slot receivers in the league in Tyler Boyd and an ascending player, I think, in T. Higgins. They're all young. They get to grow up together with Joe Burrow. They've already done some growing up with Joe Burrow. Each of these guys has played at least one year with Joe Burrow. So, you know, you don't often get to say that when one of those guys is a rookie. In fact, you never get to say that when one of those guys is a rookie. All right, so let's get to the second round, the controversial second round where the Bengals, they were going to take Jackson Carmen at 38, Jake. And you know it, I know it. And I really want to to hammer that because that's the the key point here is they didn't take Jackson Carmen at 38. They got their guy, whether it's your guy or Dane Brugler's guy or whatever draft analyst guy, and I'm just naming Dane because he's the man. And, you know, I used the beast like 52 times during the draft. But the point being, it was their guy. And instead of just getting him at 38, which they were comfortable with, they moved down to 46. They get two extra draft picks. They're able to add Tyler Shelf and they're able to add Deontay Smith. So it's not just their guy, Jackson Carmen. So that that's the part here and the part of this grade that's challenging. I'm going to give you a grade for Carmen the pick alone at 46, knowing what I know, because again, they're higher on him. And the other thing here. Jake, is I guarantee you boards are just all over the place because of COVID and because of the way they were scouting and all this stuff. So it's not shocking that the Bengals were – their board was different than ours after the – really the the first round. It seemed like things uh, differed a bit and it was harder to predict. We had the right positions, just different players. Anyways, Jackson Carmen surface value, I don't know how you go much higher than a C – you know, and the reason I would say a C or maybe a C plus is because can he come in and play right guard day one? That's what they needed. And I look and I'm like, all right, well, he's the left tackle at Clemson. He's got the body. He's got the athleticism. He should be able to do that. So that's where you get the C. The problem is, and I'm not going to ignore this, that consensus was there were better players there at 38. So, and I know they didn't use the 38th pick, but that's just, so when I look at Jackson Carmen by himself, C plus, when I take into consideration, they moved back, they got value, they added two picks, they added maybe the right tackle of the future, plus a guy in Shelvin who's going to help with DJ reader and help against the run uh, against Najee Harris, by the way, in the Steelers who suddenly have a weapon at running back that scares the hell out of me because he's really, really, really good. And uh, obviously the Ravens, who all they do is run, run, run. And by the way, the Browns have the best running back tandem in the league. I get why you want a run-stuffing nose tackle like Shelvin alongside DJ Reader. So I'm going to bump this up. I'm going to give it a B because you get three for one. You get your guy you were getting anyway. And time will tell if it's right or not. And I get the concern. I get the worry. All of that. And we have plenty of time to talk about that. But they also got two other picks with it that address needs. So overall... It's a B, and I feel like that's a, a fair non-homer grade because they were able to really knock off three weaknesses or needs with that 38th pick. So I'm a little bit lower here. I I think that a big part of it is my grading scale might be stricter than yours, despite you saying you're going to be your high school math teacher here. Um, but for me, a C is average, right? The, An average there was pick. irony in that, Jake. There was irony I, in that because, because I gave an A-plus to Jamar Chase. Yeah, you've got some sarcasm going that I didn't pick up on. But I, I am going to be the true math teacher here. 
And for me, C is average, right? So again, like you said, knowing what we know, we know they were going to pick Jackson Carmen at 38. And if they had done that, it would have gotten a D plus for me, maybe. I think that compared to consensus, compared to my priors, knowing what I know, which is very little about Jackson Carmen, I wouldn't have loved that pick at 38. I can see where it would fit. But when we're grading a when we're grading a draft pick, we're we're looking at the value of the pick. And so I can see the plan for Jackson Carmen. And I like it so much more since they were able to trade back. If I was grading the components of this of this uh of this whole thing, Jackson Carmen at 46, probably a C minus. I think that it's still a little bit of a reach, but it's not awful. Uh, I think it's a slightly below average draft pick based on the priors we had, right? And that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player. I think that I can easily see the transition to right guard working for him. So so that component of the second round pick, I would probably start at a C minus. And then you add the trade into it, right? And and the trade is fantastic. They they It's an A plus trade, honestly, because... If they were never going to pick Tevin Jenkins in the first place, which is what I think I would have done, then getting the picks that they got, they won that trade. They got they they fleeced Bill Belichick in that trade. They got an extra fourth round pick worth of value, and that turned in to Deontay Smith. And so when you add Tyler Shelvin and Deontay Smith into there, I think those are perfectly fine picks. And I don't think that they really break the bank either way. Deontay Smith, fine developmental tackle prospect. Tyler Shelvin, like you said, James, has an applicability for this team in this division and and getting him out on the field. You can see the plan, right? I I do question what the plan is for three tech. Are we really going into the season relying on Larry Ogunjobi and Mike Daniels here? Uh, is there is there no more juice coming? And we'll talk about that a little bit later because I do think that there is actually a plan for the interior pass rusher. And, and I'll talk about what I think that plan is. But for me, taking it all together, I ended up at a C with upside here, right? Because it's an incomplete grade to me. If, if Deontay Smith and Jackson Carmen, you know, if Frank Pollock is who we want him to be and he coaches these guys up, I think Jackson Carmen can be a great athletic mauling right guard who fits the wide zone scheme. Deontay Smith could be a right tackle of the future. That second one is a little bit of a longer shot than Jackson Carmen being a really good guard. But it's that that's where the upside comes from for me. So it's a C with significant upside. It can get much higher. And this is one of those evaluations where we look back at the draft and we're saying from a value perspective, what we knew at the time you know, it doesn't look like it's a home run, but in two years, we're going to look back at this and say, okay, those hit or they didn't hit. We could see what the plan was at the time. And if they hit, then, you know, you look back and these are fantastic, fantastic draft picks and a great trade back. So their track record in the second round has been great. We'll see how it works out this time, but that's why I'm a little bit lower on it than you are. That's fair. It is. This draft is going to be judged based on two guys and it isn't the fifth pick. It isn't. And that's that's the thing that that's the the tough part about this. And so many people are going to look back at taking Jamar Chase. And I get it because we connected the two during the debate, the fifth and the 38th pick. Now it's you got Jackson Carmen. You're putting your eggs in the Jackson Carmen basket. And and so that's it. How does Jackson Carmen? Does he make that transition like you mentioned where it's the upside to right guard? Does Dante Smith 
or Deontay Smith, excuse me, do one of two things, either become right tackle of the future or maybe a starting guard, which he he could do. I mean, he played guard at the senior bowl. They like his position versatility. He personally thinks he's a better tackle, but who knows? But do those guys pan out at all? Or are we talking about another runway for Joe Burrow? And, and if we are, then we're going to look back at this draft and be like, what the hell are they thinking? Regardless of Chase, to me, like there are going to be a lot of people that say that because I think Chase is a sure – I mean there, there's no sure, sure thing. It's pretty damn close to a sure thing. I, I don't really see him busting. But if Carmen hits, if Smith hits, then it becomes a home run draft. If they don't or if only one hits, even if one hits, I think it becomes a successful draft. But if neither hit – and there are some that probably are questioning that then it's uh, a huge risk. So we'll dive into rounds three through seven. Grades for each of them. Jake clearly cracking the whip as the math teacher. We'll do that next. But I got to talk about Built Bar because I'll tell you what, Jake. Built Bar, A++++. And that's not me being an easy grader. That's just life, the Built Bar life that we talk about all the time here on Locked On Bengals. You're talking about 18 different awesome protein bars covered in 100% chocolate. They're protein-packed, low in sugar, low in calories, high in fiber, and perfect for you. Summer right around the corner. You got vacation. You're trying to shed a few pounds, maybe bulk up. They're the perfect post-gym workout snack, midday snack to uh, hold you over until you get home for dinner. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. So you're going to save money. You're going to eat some awesome protein bars. And you're going to feel better. Again, BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Go there now. James, let's keep moving. We have so many more draft picks to talk about. And, well, we're just going to take as much time as we need to to get to them all. The next one is Joseph Osai. Joseph Osai the Bengals third round pick. This is an easy A for me. They get a guy that is lower than consensus, has great traits that you'd like to bet on at the edge rusher position, is going to take a little bit of time to become a finished product in the NFL, but you can see the plan for him to play right away in nickel packages and take that edge rusher role across from Trey Hendrickson. Gives them two athletes rushing the passer from the edge if that is indeed the plan and this is where we're going to start to talk about the plan James with this pick and the next pick because this is where it starts to maybe hint me in the direction of what I think the Bengals might be trying to do in the trenches but Joseph Osai the pick easy a for me easy easy a I I don't I don't know if you're an easy grade or a tough grade I don't think it matters in this case because Osai I, I think he was in play like he was listed as one of the best players available going into day two. So you're thinking like, oh, yeah, he, he's probably going to be off the board long before pick 50, for example, right? When that's where Aziz went, by the way, Ojolari from Georgia. He was right there. He was kind of like the next edge rusher, if I recall. That was like, it was like Aziz, and then it was Asai. And Asai fell all the way to 69. So A, A, A all day. Yep, we, we are certainly in agreement there. I think that the thing to watch for him is he's relatively new to being an edge rusher. He started at Texas as an off-ball linebacker. I don't think he'll be asked to do that in Cincinnati, so we'll see if they try to get some weight on him, see how he transitions to hand in the ground a little more often, and 
see how that power translates to the NFL. The one concern with him is doesn't have, you know, elite bend, elite cornering ability at the top of his pass rush. So very similar actually to, to Carl Lawson in that sense where there's, there's good burst, there's good power, but the, the bend isn't there. So, um, great hustle. Another, another big positive for Joseph Osai. He, he told a story about how when he was in high school, there was a play he didn't chase down and his coach got on him to, to chase down every play. Cause you never know. I think it was an incomplete pass. Even he didn't chase down a tight end and do a flat or something. And then he told the story about how his coach got on him for it. The very next play, he chases down the tight end in the flat and he punches it out and forces a fumble. And ever since then, he's he's like, a, you know, a dog chasing a ball when, when he's trying to <laughs> trying to pursue a ball carrier. So I thought that was a really fun story. The next guy, James Cam Sample. This one's a solid B for me. I think this is an above average pick. Um, I, I did like cam sample a lot, maybe more than consensus. I thought this pick might've come a little bit later for the Bengals, but I do like the idea of doubling down at edge rusher. I thought he was one of the better edge rushers available at the time. And, and here's why I like this pick James and, and where it starts to fit into the plan conversation is he can play edge for sure. He will line up at the edge rusher position, like a traditional edge rusher. But he'll be able to kick inside. The Bengals coaching staff talked about it. He did it at the Senior Bowl. He was pretty successful in this inside in the Senior Bowl as well. One of the hardest players to block at the Senior Bowl, by the way. So a big Senior Bowl riser here coming from Tulane, facing much worse competition throughout his college career. But this is a guy that gives them two nickel rushers that can kick inside and him and Sam Hubbard. And so this is where I want to start talking about the, the plan for the defensive line a little bit, right? You, you add Joseph Osai to go with Trey Hendrickson. Those guys probably, if they are what we think they are, get most of the snaps at the edge rusher position on third downs in, in the nickel package in pass rushing situations. You, you throw Akeem Davis Gaither into the mix. They use him more as an overhang defender this year. And then you, you put in the middle, you know, Sam Hubbard, and or Cam Sample and or uh, Ogan Joby or, or some snaps from Mike Daniels there at three tech. So it gives them options that, that can kick inside. And that's something that bumps this pick up a little bit for me. It's his versatility. I think that's what they liked about him. I, I think that's a big reason why they picked him where they did. And, you know, depending on the board you look at, it's like, oh, well, this is one of the, you know, one of those value selections. And, and he had a big senior bowl, but I think the reason they did this is, is you're right. Fit matters, certainly an effort guy, good character guy, all of those things, um, and another senior bowl guy. But it's the versatility, the ability to kick inside, the ability to, to put pressure um, in, in apply pressure, excuse me, in both, both areas. And he allows them to do that. And they really need – I mean, when's the last time – I mean, Carl Lawson was a hit. Sam Hubbard's certainly a hit, but man, they've struggled to hit. They need to hit on these guys. And Sample does feel like a guy that uh, might not have the Osai upside, right? But but certainly a guy that that can um, that can be productive. And then uh, so as far as my grade goes for him, I think B is solid. It's it's above average for where you got him. 
in the moment, I was like, oh, this kind of feels like linebacker because they double dipped at edge. But it, it makes sense because of how much I think um, Sample will be able to kick inside when they need him to, given the current roster construction. So uh, a B works for me. And who would have thunk that uh, that going into thunk? Is that a word? I don't know. But it is today. Uh, who would have thought, though, that um, that they go defensive end, then edge rusher but obviously he could kick inside with sample and then they triple dip at defensive line three picks in a row tyler shelvin i like it i like it because it, it's literally lsu midwest now i mean it, they're they might as well just add up on all these lsu tigers you, you claim thaddeus moss obviously burrow jamar chase and now uh tyler shelvin i like this pick but again i i was thinking offensive line here and I, I assume they looked at him. They looked at his build, 350 pounds. He does have quick feet, as described by some, and and should be able to give you some some snaps in what is a rugged AFC North. I didn't love this pick, though. And so for me, it's a C plus. Uh, yeah, I talked about Shelvin a little bit earlier. The only thing I'm going to throw in here for Shelvin is he was a consensus second-round player before he opted out. I think we talked about that. Uh, yesterday on the post day three recap but this could be a guy that's a really great value pick I, I think this is roughly where you see good nose tackles get picked and the upside is essentially dj reader so if he can be dj reader you're living if you have two dj readers on your team you're not mad at that uh, no. one other one other thing i want to throw out real quick for I, I know we already talked about i'm going back to cam sample and sorry i keep doing this but the reason that I like Sample inside so much, James, is, you know, PFF write, wrote about this. He, he's a leverage demon, gets beneath the pads. He does that. He's 6'3", so 6'3", 280. He's going to be primarily an edge player. He's not as tall as Carlos Dunlap, but he, he, he can get to that level, I think, of edge play. And then his ability to kick inside and get underneath guys is, is what's really promising there. However... He did not really play in the interior of the defensive line in 2020. So that's interesting. He took increasingly fewer snaps inside as time went on at Tulane. Maybe there was a regime change there that I need to look into because in 2020, for, for the first time really in his entire Tulane career, he started playing outside the tackle in wider alignments more frequently. So something to watch uh, in Cincinnati is, is how they plan to use and move some of these guys. Akeem Davis Gaither, Joseph Osai, Cam Sample, all versatile pieces that they're going to move around and can get creative with. By the way, did you give a uh, grade for Shelvin? Are you giving a grade? Uh, that's part of the second round grade for me. That that goes into okay. the, the, the C with upside that is the package of Jackson Carmen plus the trade back. So you're Shelvin not giving individual grades because I had A++ and then the the C, I, I believe I gave a C for the Jackson Carmen pick straight up, but it would have been better had I taken into consideration the trade. But okay, all right. I'll be the only one giving grades for each guy. I get it. All right, all right. Well, well, well I did, speak though. I, I I graded each component of the of the uh, so I said Jackson Carmen pick is probably like a C minus D plus in a vacuum. Oh no, no, no. If they would have taken him at 38, I said that. Where they took him, I think it was like a C. Or maybe a C minus because I thought it was a slight reach based on what we know. And that's why draft grades are dumb, by the way. And then and then I said, I love the trade back part of it. The trade back part of it's an A. 
and then the actual players they got out of the trade back part of it i think i gave them both like they're both you know good good picks so like c pluses probably b minuses for for both of them so that's the next guy too james deontay smith and the reason that that's where i am on deontay smith is because he's he's really a, a project i i hope that they're not relying on him this year um but he he also is a tool shed and when you have 35 inch arms uh, if, if he, if he grows into that body a little bit, adds some strength and, and adds some technique to his game, he can be a very solid player. And that's why I love this pick. I wanted, and I mentioned stone Forsyth. I wanted a guy that could be a developmental tackle. If you're, if you're not getting the tackle at five with Sewell and we know Jackson Carmen's going to probably play guard, even though they've said, eh, maybe he'll play tackle. I, I'm not banking on that. I want one of these developmental tackles that Frank Pollock, the guy you brought in and signed to a multi-year deal, can get his hands on him and just start working with him from day one. Not not erasing the Jim Turner era stuff. None of that. Just get it. Start him from day one and see what he can do. And I love it because Smith, you mentioned 35-inch arms, 85-inch wingspan. He just got to add some weight. And, and you get into to an NFL. You go from ECU. He wasn't out of Florida. He wasn't out of Georgia. ECU and you get into the Bengals weight room and their facilities and the food they're going to give you and all of that stuff. That's going to matter, man. And that, now you have some real money to to train in the offseason and do what you need to do. He, he has a shot. And so I'm open to it. So I'm going to give this pick a B plus. And, and, and again, in a vacuum, adding a guy like that with that upside at that stage of the draft, literally the end of the fourth round, start of the fifth round. I, uh, I, I like it a lot because in the other thing here, Jake. It's not like there were a bunch of tackles that had these measurables in this draft. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. They were a rare, rarer breed than, than maybe normal, especially with how deep it was at offensive line. There were a lot of 32 and 33-inch arms out there, and, and this was not that. This was the uh, the exact opposite. So they picked, like you said, the tool shed, and uh, they're giving the, the wizard in their eyes, Frank Pollock, um, this mold of clay to, to work with, and hopefully he can mold him into a starting tackle. Yeah, he's going to have to add some weight, yep. and he's going to have to carry the weight well. So there, there's a little bit of a weight room aspect there, and he's a little bit older. So, you know, he, what was it? He turns 23 in a couple months or something like that. So, um, you know, a, you know a little what he's bit got to do. He's got to eat a built bar. Yeah, he knew it was coming. Uh-huh. Uh, one, one other note on Tyler Shelvin before we go on to the fifth round and the kicker pick, and we're only in the fifth round. We're almost to 40 minutes in this podcast. Uh, the, one of the reasons that I knock it a little bit, and I, and I like the player, I like what he can do, I, I understand the skill set, I understand the idea here, which is to go with your heavies and DJ Reader and Tyler Shelvin a little bit more. Maybe maybe they use Osai and, and Akeem Davis-Gaither as overhang defenders with those two guys in the middle at, at some point and do some true 3-4 looks up front with those two, because those two guys can two-gap. So you, you do get a little bit of, of versatility there up front. But I was looking for a three-tech there, and I had a big draft crush on Tommy Togiai. Obviously, the Bengals didn't see it the same way. He ends up going to Cleveland. Now I can never root for him again. And I'm still going to root for him a little bit, just not when they're playing the Bengals, I guess, because I, I really like the kid. But um, I was looking for more of the three-tech. And so I, I think I see what the plan is, but that, that also dings it a little bit for me. I still like Tyler Shelvin, the player, though. Let's go to the fifth round, James. Evan McPherson, 
we've, we've talked about this one a little bit. We, we talked about it yesterday. There are people telling me to quit podcasting because I knocked the Bengals for using a draft pick on the kicker, James. I, I mean, I'm not going to change my philosophy because the Bengals did it. But now that he's a Bengal, what they have to be hoping for is, is like you said, James, he's a kicker for the next five years and it's relatively drama free. There's no calf cramps, calves cramps. Sorry. <laughs> and, and honestly, though, I, uh, I think he's got all the damn talent, man. Like this sure. isn't like I, I was in Cleveland when Austin Seibert got picked and I believe it was a sixth round, I believe it was a sixth rounder. And, uh, when that happened, it was, there, there was a lot of criticism and part of it was, is he hadn't kicked a lot of long field goals. Well, McPherson was used in those situations, and that was part of it. Is he made a sixty-plus yarder at his pro day, the the bottle cap challenge thing that he did, uh, which that that uh, I'm sure you saw, everybody saw it on Twitter. If not, I posted it on all Bengals. But uh, just stuff like that. It's he's got a personality. I think he's extremely competitive, but I think he's extremely talented. That being said, you're right. It's a damn risk because if it doesn't, if he's not one of the 10 best kickers in the NFL, then it's like, ah, oh, fifth round. And so the trade back helps. It makes it a little better, but it's tough. So from a value standpoint, I get the upside. I get why fans are like, just get the kicker and let's stop worrying about kicker. And part of this has to do with Jake Elliott, because if they had kept Jake Elliott, even though the numbers are similar, as Darren Simmons said to Randy Bullock, then we wouldn't be having this conversation because I think he is a good enough kicker where he would still be the guy. That being said, I, I think McPherson's better than that. Um, but I, I can't give this more than average because it is a kicker. So he, it's a C for me, for McPherson. And I, I think there's a ton of upside and he could uh, easily be, become a really, really good kicker. But he's got to do that for this pick to pan out. And that's just that's just the reality of it when you take a kicker in the draft this early. Yeah, for me, if, if this was... A, just a kicker, generic kicker. You take a kicker in the fifth round. You started an F for me, guys. That That's where you start. But since McPherson does appear to have all the tools, and I don't know anything about kickers, but I watched a YouTube video last night that broke down his mechanics, and the, there's apparently a kicking YouTube, James. There, There's kicker YouTube. And these guys were gushing over McPherson's technique, over the power in his leg, there, there's some concerns, I guess, with pushing the ball a little bit right, but apparently he doesn't pull it left. And so th there's also one he left short. I guess he hit the ball a little bit low, but it sounds like his technique is great. It's very efficient. It's very powerful. So kicker YouTube shout out. Uh, I'll try to find and post a video on my Twitter page or, or link the guy, give him a, a more direct shout out. So that gets it up to a C minus for me, James from an F for, for drafting a kicker <laughs> in the fifth round. That's Shout out to good. kicker YouTube. Shout out to kicker YouTube there for, uh, for saving the grade there from hard ass math teacher, Jake Lisko over there. <laughs> it, it comes down to value and, and you know, I maybe this is too nerdy of me, but you can get kickers like kickers that are undrafted outperform drafted kickers. Historically. All the time, all the time, Justin Tucker time. undrafted. Hopefully he's the next Justin Tucker. That'd be great. I, I, I would love that. But uh, the, 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 the pick grade perspective, we're going to stop talking about kicker here really soon, is that 
if if he's not significantly better than an undrafted free agent kicker, then you just lose the opportunity to take a swing. Yeah, maybe the chance you hit on another player in the fifth round is only 15%, but you lose that 15%. If it hits, great. Th- then you're then you're happy. But if he's not significantly better than an undrafted free agent, that's the opportunity cost. That's what brings it down for me. It's a gamble. I mean, because if he com- becomes the next Justin Tucker, well, then he's worth th- the 38th pick. Sure. Like, no, you, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, on. yes. Justin. Let's move Justin, on. Prime. No, 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 no. We can't. Yes, move yes, on. Prime yes. Justin Tucker isn't worth the 38th pick. Trey Hill was the Bengals' first selection in the sixth round, James. He's a center from Georgia. He had a couple of meniscus issues in his knees. Both knees had meniscus. <laughs> you guys should see James right now. He's ready to quit. It's ridiculous. Quit. Justin Tucker is the best kicker ever. Trey Hill had a couple of knee issues down in Georgia. Played a little bit of guard. Played some center as well. Came out earlier than expected. This is a, a straight C for me. I think this is about where he should have been drafted and it's another upside kind of pick. Like if he can get healthy, if he can improve his movement ability a little bit, great. I'm not sure I entirely see the fit in a team that's trying to go a lot of wide zone, but there's something there that Frank Pollock likes and taking another lineman. It's similar to the approach they took to edge rusher. It's similar to the approach they took to linebacker last year where they took multiple guys at the position and they're, they're adding depth, they're adding competition, and I like that. Fine with the position, right? I, I didn't want them to just come out of this draft with two offensive linemen. A third, we mentioned it, and so they, they get him. I'm not going to pretend like I watched Hill a ton. Comes from Georgia, you like that. Versatile, can play center, can play guard, you like that. But yeah, like it's just a, okay, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens with him. And so I, I think a C is... Right about there. You, you can't gush about him when there, there's not a, a ton to gush about. Had some injury issues, like you said. And so that's a little concerning. Obviously cleared the medicals. I think a C is fair. And so that's that's where I am with Hill. Now let me get to a pick. That Are, are we good? Can we Hang move on. on? No. I'm going to go back oh. to the kicker thing. If, if it's oh. Justin Tucker, yeah, fine. Because Justin Tucker is, is consistently hitting from like oh. 58 yards to He's win games. He's, he's, he's more valuable than like, I'd rather play with no tight ends and have Justin Tucker than have a tight end. Like he's valuable, <laughs> man. He's, va- he is. All right. All right. Let's talk about Chris Evans. You already got me to, you, you already got me. Let's talk about Chris Evans. Not that Chris Evans, the Michigan Chris Evans. We talked about him a lot yesterday. I really like this pick James. He, he has a chance to step in and win the geo role has a, has good notes on his pass blocking. I haven't had a chance to watch his pass blocking yet. And any tape you're going to find on him is going to be three years old because the last time he really played was 2019, 2018. He he missed a year. Yeah, he missed a year and then he hardly played in this most recent year when he got back to the University of Michigan. But uh, again, great athleticism, good upside. The the things that bring it down for me a little bit, and I gave this pick an A, is he's going to be 24 this year because it took him five years to get through school. And he's he's a sixth round pick at running back. We didn't really see him in this most recent year, but this has a lot of potential to be a big diamond in the rough pick that that is better in the NFL than it was in college. This is what I want in the sixth round at two hundred and two overall. Yeah. Running back, no no tread on his tires, has showed the maturity, has responded to adversity, is older. I don't care. He's not getting a second contract anyway, but right? Oh, maybe he will, I guess, with the Bengals. But is it 
is it a guy that can that can contribute right now if you need him to? And there's a path. I'm not saying it's going to happen because it shouldn't happen if you have a $50 million running back and Joe Mixon on the field. But there's a path where that happens from a talent standpoint where Chris Evans, you know, he doesn't have the injury issues that some of these guys have had that they've drafted in recent years. This is just someone who, yeah, he had an a- academic issue, responded to it, and tested out of this world, played really well at the Senior Bowl, and can be a little bit of a chess piece where you move him around a bit and, uh, it, you know, if he establishes himself in the league. Now, obviously, it's going to come down to special teams and stuff like that. But great athlete, age, sure. You know, if he was younger, you know, if that, some of these other flaws, heck, he would have been a third or fourth rounder. But he's just not because of production and because of age. That being said, give me him an A all day in round six. And let's end things now with a guy in Wyatt Hubert who – is kind of the exact opposite of Mr. Captain America, Chris Evans. He uh, he had all the production at, at Kansas State, and it was extremely productive. It moved all across the line. and was a guy, uh, you know, great attitude type guy. I mentioned it uh, on the one podcast, knows he's going to have to cut his te- uh, teeth in the NFL and special teams, so went to the Wildcats special teams meetings, even though he was far and above not needing to do that, especially as a senior that was potentially NFL bound. I like this pick here. Doesn't necessarily have, you know, high end crazy athleticism, but extremely productive, versatile, has a great attitude. I'm not going to pencil him in on the team or anything, but it wouldn't shock me because of his attitude and where he's at. So as a seventh rounder, I think it's an above average seventh round pick. I'm going to give it a B. Yeah, I, I initially gave this a C because I thought it was kind of a an average seventh round pick, but I can definitely see that that path to Wyatt Hubert making the team as as a Darren Simmons special teams guy. And if your seventh round pick makes the team and contributes, then you're winning. And so I, I can since I can clearly see a path there, I could give it a B. But I do think that there are some some real physical limitations. I don't think he's gonna contribute a whole lot on defense. So you know, he's going to be a fringe of the roster guy this year. And if he makes a team, he's probably going to be a fringe of the roster guy going forward unless he really is a special team standout. So I, I can give it a B because it's a seventh round pick and it's really hard to get anything out of a seventh round pick, you know, and and, and I can see a clear path here. So sure. I mean, Chris Evans might not make the team and Wyatt Hubert might make the team. And then, you know, giving, giving, Chris Evans an A and Wyatt Hubert a B might look silly, but whatever. I mean, draft grades are silly. We've talked a lot about draft grades, James. We've talked a little bit about the plan for some of these guys and how they fit in on the team. What's your what's your overall takeaway for this draft? You, you talked about the, the two guys that matter. What's the overall grade, the things that matter most to you in this draft class? Well, Jake, I gave out three A's, four C's, three B's to each individual pick. Like I said, uh, you know, if you you break down that trade, I'd end up giving it a B with uh, everything involved. But overall, I think the Bengals did well. They added a game-changing player in Jamar Chase. I don't want to downplay that. And I think a lot of people, uh, especially the national media, they're going to downplay that because of the offensive line. The Bengals prioritize the trenches. 70% of their picks were spent on the trenches. Four defensive line, three offensive line. Let's not downplay it. It might not be the exact players that we had, 
in our minds, but they they certainly did that. So what was the the plan here after Chase? It was they got to make sure they bolstered the trenches. Well, they did that, and they focused on that, and they certainly made it a priority. So to me, overall, they addressed weaknesses. They got a game changer on offense, and they certainly uh, rolled the dice on a kicker. But I, I like that they did that overall. And and so my thought is that it's a solid B. So that's my grade. I'm going to give them a B. And that's where the average works out. The three A's, four C's, and three B's. I actually broke it down numbers-wise. And they got an 86.2, which is a very solid B. I would have taken that back in my day, my school days, all day long, uh, especially uh, in high school math class. So what about you? Where's your final grade after you tally all this up? Because you were a little, little harsher than me. I don't know. Did the, the Bengals, they passed. I'm not worried about that. They're definitely not failing, but where are they at on your grade grading scale? Yeah. They only made one pick that for me was very clearly below average, which was Evan McPherson. And again, that is simply to do with my, my feelings about kickers in the fifth round. They're not changing just because the Bengals did it. I think Evan McPherson can be good. That brings it up to below average instead of a, a really bad grade there. But overall, for me, it's still a B. And the reason is because the day three stuff, the day three grades matter less than the early grades. So it really comes down to Jamar Chase, Jackson Carmen, the two edge rushers, and really the, the, the two picks they added in the trade back in the second round. Those things bring it up for the most part. Jackson Carmen brings it down just a little bit, although it's a B with upside, right? Because I can see where Jackson Carmen can be a very good right guard for a long time. And, and Jamar Chase is your X wide receiver one, your alpha wide receiver, and you have some pass rushers now. And that was desperately, desperately needed. Tyler Shelvin can really help in a division that's going to run the ball as much as the AFC North is. These are all things that are very important. Evan, if Evan McPherson can fix a kicking problem that we've had in Cincinnati for, I don't know, feels like a really long time now. These are all good things. So for me, it works out to be a B with upside. If Jackson Carmen develops, if Deontay Smith develops, if if they hit on some of these day three picks, that's where that's where this draft we're gonna look back at and say, that's where it went right. And, or or, you know, hopefully not, that's where it went wrong. But I I can see the path for all these guys. I can see the plan for all these guys. So I do like that. And at this point, it's up to the players, up to the coaches to develop to find the correct fit for each guy to, to play to the strengths of each guy that they have and to put a cohesive team together. I like that they've improved depth in the trenches. I like what they added in premier talent in Jamar chase. I like what they added to the edge rusher rotation. And before that in free agency, they invested heavily in their secondary so they can field a team for sure. Joe Burrow has a new toy and his recovery, the success of Frank Pollock with this offensive line, the success of Lou Anarumo finding a pass rush, solidifying his secondary, will go a long way in determining the success of the Bengals in 2021. Either way, James, I am rooting for these guys. I am rooting for this team. I think they're very likable for the most part. And that's something that since I am still a fan, believe it or not, guys, I am still a fan. That's something that's enjoyable for me. So I'm rooting for all these picks, even Evan McPherson. I hope he's the next Justin Tucker. I hope he's better than Justin Tucker. I want to be looking for the next Evan McPherson. That would be fun, huh? Especially because yeah, Tucker. I like that. Especially because 
Tucker is in the division and everything. Anyway, that's enough draft talk for a couple of days, Bengals fans. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want our individual thoughts on each pick, do make sure you check out the last four podcasts as well. We had the instant reaction to Jamar Chase, the reaction to day one where we reset for day two. If you were curious about what we were thinking heading into day two, we recap day two with the preview for day three, and then we recap day three. All of those are out there for you to listen to. We talked about some of the same things and a lot of different things that didn't come up in this episode. So I encourage you to check those out as well. We'll be back in a couple days as we reset, take a look at this roster after the draft. Until then, Bengals fans, day, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 